The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, thanks for joining me today to talk about uh, Brewers baseball yet again. Uh, last time we left all our listeners, the Brewers had just come off a, a pretty encouraging uh, series win against NL contender, the San Diego Padres. But before we get into what happened in the ensuing series, against the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I need to welcome someone to the show. We have finally completed the set. Everyone from the Eurostep Podcast Network has now made an appearance on Cruising for a Bruising. Joining us is the youngest and probably smartest member of the Eurostep family and overall great human being, one of the co-hosts of the Eurostep Podcast, Rohan Kadi. Thank you for joining us on Cruising for a Bruising. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. This is, I'm very happy to be here. I was very upset that I am the last one to do this. So I had to make sure I rectified that as soon as I could. Got a good series. I'd say this was a good series. Like it made it, it was an up and down entertaining series, but I'm glad I could come on for this one. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being here. We obviously chatted on playback uh, on Thursday night, which was game one of the series against the St. Louis Cardinals. You've been on playbox playbacks before talking about the Brewers. I was I about to say, you may, you, may be, you may be the last one on for the pod, but I think you're 
you're leading the other three members of GSPN and playback at bats for cruising for a bruising. So I think you've got that yeah, in your favor. You've been a reliable bullpen arm. You've been a, lo- a reliable pinch hitter. You've really been there in our time of need to jump on playbacks and, and watch through Brewers games in person. So, or virtually in person. So I've gotten the sense of kind of your baseball fandom in watching with you live, but just to, I guess for the listeners and people that know you only talking about the bucks, what is your relationship with Brewers baseball in the past? And how do you see it moving forward as we've kind of uh, thrown kind of a, a, a sparkler into the GSP and room and created some chaos and diversions as, as now we're all talking about baseball when you guys have just been used to talking about bucks for the last few years. I don't know if I've actually mentioned this uh, like on air before, but like the first sport I really, really enjoyed watching was baseball and growing up around the Milwaukee areas, the first sports team I really liked was the Milwaukee Brewers. I may, I know that may seem hard to believe, but like, I, I know I was a, a, a big football fan at one point that's kind of fallen off. Uh, and now obviously I'm engrossed in basketball. But the first sport I really got to enjoy, thrive, grow up on essentially was Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Uh, Like, again, grew up around Milwaukee. So, like, it was easier to go to games. I've never actually been to a Packer game. I can't say, yeah, I've never been to one. But I used to go to a ton, a ton of Brewers games. Just that the feeling of just seeing, like, some some semblance of success uh, early on in my watch, like uh, Brewers fandom, it was good to see whenever you mentioned the names like Corey Hart, Ricky Weeks, those are my guys. <laughs> like it, it's, it's wild to see like Craig Council still is the manager of this team, considering like I, I grew up watching him and it makes me sound really old, but like, <laughs> uh, it really doesn't. None of this is going to make you sound really old. Okay, good. Uh, making you feel really old is going to make most of our listeners probably feel really old. It's it's well, cool to hear you say that's kind of your experience with Brewers baseball as well, because I think Ty echoed a lot of those same sentiments as growing up. Baseball seems like a sport for kids and then, I guess, adults. And, and there's like a gap in the middle where <laughs> people tend to drift off. But it, it is something that just the everyday nature of it and the way it feels to be at a ballpark. And, you know, as a kid, you're sitting there having a hot dog and a cotton candy with, with your dad or your friends or whatever. And you're just kind of letting the game or or absorbing the game going on around you. So it's cool to hear that like that was true for you as well. Despite us, me only knowing you as basketball expert, Rohan. (laughs) Experts, a strong word, but I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally echo what you're saying. Like Ty and I have similar experiences in that, but you're, you're right. It's like, once you're a little kid, you're just like, oh my God, baseball, this is so awesome. You're right. There is a little bit of a gap. I don't really know why that is. Uh, I didn't really think about that until you pointed it out. That's a great observation. But now that like, obviously I've gotten a lot more into breweries because of this podcast, because this podcast launched. But it's just, it's good. To, it's a good reason because I found the joy of the game again. Like I don't, I used to be like, oh, what? If there's nothing on, oh, should I put on the brewer game? It's like, eh, do I really want to? Now it's, now I actually really enjoy it because I rediscovered that love of the game, that joy of the game. And I've had a great time. This podcast launching is not only just, you know, it's great for GSBN, it's great for us, but it's also helped me rediscover my love for baseball. And Adam and I have come in at such a unique point of Brewers baseball history because I think it's at a point where 
expectations have never been higher because anyone that watches this team on a regular basis can tell that they're a world series quality team. So that makes the discourse around the team more heated in both a positive and a negative way. And you've just got lots of different types of fans that view the game in a different way, having a discussion about the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, because right now it's, it's a really good time to be the, be a Brewers fan. Like we were saying, uh, we're coming off a series where the Brewers took two out of three against the San Diego Padres, despite having some injury issues and questions around, you know, what the future looks like going out on an 11 game road trip. And to branch off into our talking point for today, they, they came into a series against a division rival, the St. Louis Cardinals four on the road in the middle series of this daunting road trip. And, what we were looking for them to do in this series coming off a relatively surprising series win is I don't, I don't want to say tread water, but that's almost the way I was feeling going into this. You've got some tough circumstances around Willie Adamas still being injured. Hunter Renfro goes down. Freddie Peralta gets hurt and you're surviving it so far. And what they did was go out and survive it again. This was a series that they split two two against the St. Louis Cardinals. The second time they split a series with the Cardinals again, uh, this season, but I think what this series represented was the Brewers doing what they need needed to do to keep themselves in a favorable favorable position moving forward as we progress through the rest of this road trip and and finally get some home games once the calendar flips to June. Uh, this was a series where both teams got relatively close wins. Uh, Thursday night we watched on playback. Eric Lauer struggled through a uh, up and down performance. Got through five innings after running his pitch count up pretty high early. And then eventually they just kind of hung on to nail down the win. Game two was a four, two Cardinals win. It was a little closer on the score sheet than it actually was. Keston Hira hit a ninth inning home run to cut the score in half to make it four, two. That was a game that the Cardinals got out ahead in the third. Uh, Brandon Woodruff left early due to an injury, although it sounds like he's going to be okay. And the Cardinals were just always in control, even if the Brewers were in striking distance. And then each team got a blowout win, an 8-2 Cardinals win, in, or 8-3 Cardinals win, excuse me, in game three where Adrian Hauser really just didn't have it. And then today, Sunday, finishing off this series with an 8-0 Brewers win and a Corbin Burns gym. It was a series that had a lot of highs, it had a lot of lows, but overall I think this series was representative of the Brewers, again, coming through adverse circumstances, doing what they had to do. Adam, uh, that's kind of my feeling after after four games, kind of trying to put it all together. How did you feel about the series? I mean, the biggest thing for me is the injuries, and that's what coming into the series is putting a slightly different feel on it. I think generally the Cardinals team, or a big division rival, have been pretty good so far up to this point in the season, and it's like, yeah, if you split the series with them on the road, in the middle of a mega road trip and your second of three extended road trips in the space of like a month. I, I don't need to be too many complaints like that, but just with the relentless injuries, like <laughs> I sucked to Jordan earlier. Uh, and I mentioned Woodruff being injured and he's like, I didn't even know. And I was like, look, if you've missed, if you've missed any brewer stuff in the last few days, like if you think of a brewer, you're probably best just assuming they may be injured right now because there there is an element of that to it. Um, Woody obviously picking up an injury that is that is just the latest example. Luis Perdomo as well, who was starting to look really good in the bullpen role, 
and it just seems like it's been non-stop like it's been relentless hopefully it's gonna it's gonna calm down soon i mean we're seeing some positive signs with willie adamas he's obviously on assignment now and we'll talk a bit about that later um there is also you know some opportunity that has been created by the injuries that we'll get to later that maybe in the long run that's going to serve the brew as well but on the whole they're getting to fight through some real adversity in this stretch and they're not really missing a beat like if anything they're they're finding even more impressive ways to just kind of grind out games grind out wins make make most games competitive for themselves we know that the runs aren't always kind of free flowing um i did we also know that when the home runs come they tend to come in bunches like i know they're still pretty close to the national league lead if they're not in fact the national league leaders for home runs and yet for a lot of brewers fans watching you think of just the amount of games where it's like god just give us any offense so it is interesting how all of that is kind of it's a challenge that's been there for them throughout the season but in the face of injuries in the face of things like josh Hader's absence going back to the previous series they're just finding ways to step up and really kind of not just keep it together, but actually play at the kind of level you would have hoped and expected them anyway. So the last kind of couple of weeks, the last two, three series, I've been really encouraged by because the results have been right around where we would have wanted them to be. And that's in spite of almost everything else seemingly going against them. Treading yeah, water, exactly. that's what you said, Andrew, right? You just yeah, exactly. That, that's what they needed to do. And I think, there's no better example of what you have to do in a 162 game baseball season than Eric Lauer's outing in game one. And that even when you don't have your best stuff, you need to find a way to get enough outs to keep your team in the game. Uh, he was running his pitch count up around, I think 50 by the third inning, um, even more than that. And he still found a way to fight through five innings, only struck out one batter, but got enough outs to keep the Brewers in the game it was a 3-3 game i think heading into um the the well no it was a 4-3 game yeah they got the lead in the fourth inning so lauer was staked to a lead after the fourth and managed to fight his way through two additional innings to bridge that gap so that um trevor kelly uh trevor got brad boxberger and josh Hader could get through the game and win them the game and he very could have easily uh given up a ton of runs and it and it been kind of a game they couldn't get back into but he didn't let that happen i watched college baseball today and my team uh had gotten behind so early in the day that it never really became a game but guys like eric lauer coming out and and fighting didn't let that happen and even brandon woodruff did that to an extent in game two obviously obviously you leave because of an ankle injury but he was still fighting to keep them in the game. And like you said, treading water, fighting through adverse circumstances is just kind of par for the course in a baseball season, especially going against the team that you're competing uh, with closely in the standings. And, and that was kind of like the name of the game in this series. And also guys who maybe haven't had the best seasons stepping up and performing. Omar Narvaez was great this season. Tyrone Taylor uh, continues to build upon success and really even when Hunter Renfro returns, I think he's earned himself a starting outfield job in, in center field, even as Lorenzo Kane starts to turn things around. And then you have Keston Hura who 
has a flair for the dramatic can get, get, get a big or a big home run in a series against Atlanta and is continuing to hit for power. Even if overall most of his plate appearances aren't necessarily great. And then you have a guy like Jace Peterson who can come in and play reliable defense and also uh, hit an occasional home run. So it, this was a series about battling through adversity, working through things when a starting pitcher doesn't have their best stuff. And then role players just kind of stepping up when they're needed. Um, but yeah, Rohan, uh, this was, I guess the, probably the first full series that you watched one through four game by game. I want to get a little bit of a sense of what you think about the quote unquote Brewers experience, because obviously I was new coming into this, uh, Adam was new last year coming into this. And this was an interesting series because only one of the games really felt like the true Brewers, like kick you in the teeth but keep you engaged because the game's right there to be one situation it's just it's just wisconsin sports like no other i mean you you're born in the fire it's it's like you think you know darkness i was born in it sort of thing it's you get used to it it's not even like the brewers experience anymore it's just called life in these streets it's just it's just normal day-to-day action you just like I don't know. It's just a normal, normal baseball game to me. <laughs> is this not how they usually go? Is that, is that not a common occurrence? Uh, Thursday is how they usually feel. The one we watch live on playback where it's a one run close game, uh, Eric Lauer's fighting through it, but it's just close to the end. Josh Hader uh, puts a runner on base, uh, two runners on base in, in game one. And then things get hairy and the Brewers eventually win. That's kind of like the the Brewers feeling. And in Adam's case, it's they lose a close playoff game in devastating fashion because that was his entry point. But the, I think the like, like I've said on previous episodes, the thing that has reeled me into Brewers fandom and obsessiveness early is just the stressful nature of the games. And I keep being told, like you just said here. Andrew, this is Bucks. This is Packers. This is whatever the soccer team's going to be called in a few years. They'll probably be stressful as well. This is just Wisconsin sport. So now I'm getting a sense that this is not unique to baseball. You, and you that- must see that though yourself too. I mean, you watch enough football to know. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, given your football fandom, you would just love to be the Packers. And, oh yeah, hundred. Uh, yeah, so so maybe that's not the one, but there is also the element of well, how have Packers playoff runs gone in recent years? I know you've closely followed the books, and yeah, finally we got there and we got to see that championship. But there was a fifty-year gap for a reason, you know. <laughs> Wisconsin sports it always tends to be done the hard way. And yeah, that is very much in my uh, still kind of growing experience of all things Brewers baseball. That's how they do it, where it's like, I don't know what to do when they're like eight nothing up like they are in one of these games. They always There's always a reason for hope, but there's always an avenue for them to let you down in most heartbreaking fashion. That uh, That's a great point. Uh, segue Adam because it brings me where I wanted to go next before we start talking about uh, potential injuries uh, going away and people coming back uh, call-ups and things of that nature Um, but like I said the first game in the series a tight 4-3 win Eric Lauer battles through adversity Josh Hader nails down a save 4-3 win game two 
Brewers were in the game all the way, but it, it never really felt like it was in striking distance. The Keston Hira homer uh, makes it a 4-2 loss, and then everything that could go wrong did go wrong in Game 3. Adrian Hauser, four innings pitch, nine hits, eight runs, five of them earned one walk, one strikeout, just not a good outing. Uh, and But Game 4, to even the series up, the series was bookended by wins so that you can have a good feeling going into it and a good feeling going out of it. But this game was really the Brewers at their best and it was the perfect snapshot of what this team can be at their best. And that came without getting production from the top of the lineup. This was a game that shows what happens when the Brewers get contributions down the lineup and also have Corbin Burns on the mound. Burns goes seven innings, two hits allowed, one walk, 11 strikeouts, maybe his best performance of the season. It lowered his ERA to one nine five. He is well on track to be in the National League Cy Young uh, race as he was last year, winning it. But really, just a game that shows how good this team can be. It's it's a a game against a good pitcher in Miles uh, Michaelis. And one of the things we talked about in previous episodes was the Brewers not really taking or not really being able to. Uh, contend with good pitching and then also not taking advantage of poor pitching. But today, the bottom half of the lineup and Corbin Burns really just showed how good this team could be when they reach their full potential. I mean, think of a game when Willie Adamas is back, when Urias is is hitting for power and Yelich is not having a struggling day. Uh, this lineup has the potential to be deeper than it's been this season when you see guys like Tyron Taylor having multi-hit days, when you see Omar Narvaez reaching base in every plate appearance, when Lorenzo Cain finally gets a break, uh, hits the ball hard, hits a home run, when Jace Peterson's doing what he does. This was peak Brewers, and it was something that was really nice to see, especially heading into four games at Wrigley Field and heading back into home. Peak Brewers uh, makes me think of something else just based on the conversation we just had before. When someone says peak Brewers, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, it was a, a one nothing win where the bases were loaded in the ninth and then Hayter, Hayter saved the day. Uh, but, I mean, to your point, one through four in the lineup, 19 at-bats, they only got one hit and one walk out of that, and they score eight runs as a team. That hasn't really been the story of the season so far. And if we could see more of that, more life in the back half of the order, uh, that would be a really, really good thing. I do think this one was a little interesting, even just in terms of the lineup, when there are signs of life from Lorenzo Kane. I mean, he was three for four today. Obviously, home run. That's a big deal. It's been something I've been dreaming about for him because it's literally seemed like the impossible it's his first of the year, right? It's his yep. first of the year, it is. And honestly, he hasn't even come all that close. I think the closest he probably came was the one time he didn't get on base today. I think he had a fly out that was right out around the warning track and it just hasn't been all too common for, for Kane to hit anything other than ground balls, really. Um, but to see, as you said, I mean, Tyrone Taylor's in a groove. He's just hitting it really well, even if it's not, like we're seeing a couple of series ago where it was the the kind of the burst of homers. He's just reliably being someone who can get on base and then he's creating opportunities in the back half of the order. Uh, but you've guys there. Taylor is one of them. Jace Peterson, who's having a really big season and with injuries, he's been needed more than we would have thought early on. 
Like he's he's giving real utility and production to the Brewers. And if you can get guys on base and you've got like Omar Narvaez, just everything he hit today, it felt like was right down the line, like could not be any more perfectly like lasered toward the corners. Good things are going to happen. So that was really, really nice to see. It's like we're we're not at a point where we're fussy about where the hits come from, where the where the runs come from, but it is nice to see a day when it is those guys who really kind of carry them there. I think you guys are burying the lead a little bit here. Corbin Burns is back. He's back in a big way. Like, Did he go he, anywhere? I mean, like it wasn't Pete Corbin Burns, if we're being serious. It hasn't, but he, he's generally found a way. Like, I think the last few series, I'm curious as to your take on Andrew. Uh, it's felt like he's had much greater control on it. I know that one of the things that's been kind of a talking point is he hasn't felt like he's had control. Um, he's talked about his cutter not being quite where he wanted it and a couple of the recent series not feeling like he had command. Uh, I think on that occasion, he gave up like one run and probably like three hits and six innings. So like from from our vantage point, we're not like, oh, Corbin's in real big trouble, but the way he's been talking, he's felt like there's another gear to come here, and maybe that's it today. Like maybe we're we're seeing him step up to that. So I don't know if he's been anywhere, but it might be that he's really going to take that kind of next step further, where like he just looked completely imperious today. I don't know what you do about that. Yeah, it's a situation where he can feel like he's not at his best and we don't even notice because the performances are still so good, but I, I will agree uh, with both of you um, because it, it was a big like drop, drop all your money on the table game where it's yeah. like you, you just, you're not getting hits today. You're not getting runs today. I mean, it's the he's, polite way to put it. Yeah. yeah I, money is one thing for sure. Yeah. I was, I'm I'm being uh, proper for this podcast, <laughs> but you know he has a Makes a really good a, re- a really good outing against uh, San Diego, where he was fighting a little bit, five hits, two walks, but he only allows one run. The game against Atlanta that um, Milwaukee won in exciting fashion, he wasn't as sharpest, and and then Miami allowed only a run, seven innings was great. It, uh, it lost to Atlanta on May the seventh, only allowed one run. Uh, but only went six innings. And then uh, a seven-inning outing with 10 Ks, two runs allowed to the Cubs in a loss. And then his last shutout was in a game that the Brewers actually lost on April 25th against the San Diego or San Francisco Giants, where he had 11 Ks, two walks, no earned runs allowed. And we watched it on playback, and I jinxed the game. So this was his first shutout in a month, I guess. And even though he hadn't been at his sharpest the last month, he was still one of the better pitchers in baseball. So to see him come in with an outing like this, where it seemed like he was unhittable, it's just incredibly terrifying for everyone in the National League Central and the rest of baseball in general. Because, I mean, if you're asking, and I come at this from a biased perspective, but I guess a little more unbiased just because it's so new to me, but if you ask me to put a guy on the mound, I need to win one game today. I'm taking Corbin Burns, and today showed me why. And 
I know he, he left. You, you were, I'll just, I'll back you up on it. You were saying that last year before you were like watching yeah. every Brewers game. And that's when I was like, I think I'm going to start watching the Brewers. That's exactly the kind of thing you were saying to me. And you were already at a point before that where you're like, oh, it's a Corbin Burns start. I'm going to put the Brewers game on. Yeah, I was making a comment to, so like I said, got together with friends, watched NC State lay an absolute egg today. But I had the Brewers game on my, on my laptop with my buddy. And I made the comment to him. I was like, I didn't, I, I knew to expect this, but I haven't felt this confident about a starting pitcher on a team I follow since Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz were throwing for the Atlanta Braves when I was a kid. Because you just go into every Corbin Burns start and you're like, well, at least we're getting uh, six or seven innings. They're not scoring more than two runs. So, like, any other circumstances around this team, we have a chance to win because this is what we're getting from the starting pitcher. And you're, saying, card- you're saying he's best pitcher in baseball right now? I am saying he's the best starting pitcher in baseball right now. I'll stake my claim to get to that. He's got the... Did you, do you add starting there because you want to, you know, if there's competition, it's hater. Is that what you're saying? So we just yeah, we I just lean all the way into this. I, I the view season, them best bullpen takes, in baseball. Takes four to say, it was just the best pitching staff. Yeah, yeah best baseball. pitching staff, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I do separate them because I they're two different skill sets For to sure. an extent. Uh, so that's why I say best starting pitcher. I want to, I want to keep them separate, but now that you say that I will on this podcast, make the argument that the, the Brewers have the best starting pitcher in baseball and they have the best relief pitcher in baseball. So that's, that's a pretty good area to find yourself right now. Uh, and so I think, uh, yeah, going into today, the Brewers are fifth in the league, uh, with total ERA three, Three, four, just behind Tampa, Houston, New York, Yankees, and the Dodgers. Uh, they lead the league in saves, obviously, 21. Uh, most of those from uh, Josh Hader, but Devin Williams has added a few. They lead the league in strikeouts with 454. They're second in the league in quality starts with 20 behind the San Diego Padres. They're, they just got, they've got some of the best pitching in baseball, and at the highest level, if it's my best guy against your best guy, they got the best starter. They've got the best reliever, and uh, all uh, I'm I'm a positive poly here about the Brewers. Uh, it seems uh, considering they didn't win this series, but like we said, this was what they needed to do. And I don't know. I'm just fired up after watching Corbin Burns do what he did, and knowing I get my two lefties on the mound tomorrow. So I'm just overly happy. I think of it like for the the point of view of how we feel when they didn't win the series. I think if we were to flip that and if you were the Cardinals and you're looking at this series and you're already behind the standings, you want to close the gap. Willie Adama's out, Hunter Renfro out. You know, you'd be particularly considering how the the ninth looked and that as much as he rallied through and he got the save, it was about as shaky as Hayter's going to look. You're going to say, okay, he's had some time off. Let's try and put him in high leverage situations. Let's see if we can find something there. They just, they they didn't get the joy that they would have liked, I think, overall. If, if I was a Cardinals fan, I'd be like, come on, that's a time where you, you'd really want to take a series against the Brewers when they're missing a number of key guys. I am also very happy that Rowan came on here for his first episode and did something which is a staple of his when we do any kind of books content, which is he goes, come on, we're, we're not talking about Giannis here. And he just came on and he got to do that with Corbin Burns. It seems perfectly fitting. It is, it is a really great thing that he did because it's true. Uh, I, 
I'll let you speak to that in a minute, Rohan. But I just pulled up the uh, the stats for the season. So uh, Corbin Burns is now ranking fifth in ERA, ten starts, one nine five ERA, eight quality starts in those ten starts, sixty four and two thirds innings. Uh, so the only one that has the innings total approaching his in terms of the the other guys ahead of him on this list is Sandy Alcantara, who is a spot behind him. He's got a two zero zero ERA. So, I mean, he set his goal on also pitching more innings this year because he missed some starts, maybe had some shorter starts last year, and that was some of the criticism against him. Some people were uh, campaigning for Zach Wheeler because of the amount of innings he threw more than Burns, and Burns, in true Michael Jordan fashion, appears to have taken that personally, and it's been incredible to watch, and today was a perfect example of that. And Rohan, thank you for being like, let's talk about the guy doing the thing because that's what Corbin Burns is. Got to do it. It's it's the low-hanging fruit that we sometimes miss, you know? Uh, I will say, though, Sandy, Sandy's been dealing uh, for the Marlins. Like, yeah, he's, he's, the, he's a stud. He's a stud. He's the one reason they end up winning a game every, like, five five games. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't believe we're talking about the Marlins. I can't I believe didn't, I'm yeah, talking about the Marlins. The Marlins pitching staff is very good. We, we got to see this, and we didn't even see Alcantara, right? I'm remembering yep. that correctly. Yep. We got Pablo Lopez and Trevor Rogers. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's fair. I, the one thing I will add to, I'm just looking at the Brewers, like you saying that they're they're fifths as a team now in ERA. Yep. That's a Brandon Woodruff a 474, Freddie a 442, Adrian Hauser a 369. So that's that's three standout players as three starters. Obviously, you've got two cases there. Um, well, look, Woodruff is a a shorter term thing. And if we're lucky, he won't even miss a start, but Freddie going to miss some time, uh, inconsistencies and in start and same has gone for Brandon Woodruff. It's just been, it's been pretty inconsistent. And that's something that particularly in his case, I still have every confidence that that's going to kind of regress back towards the mean. And overall the brewers are only going to get even tougher to get any kind of scoring against for opposing teams as the season goes on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I will yeah, say, though, there's ahead, one sorry. guy. There's one guy who might uh, might make the Brewers ERA dip even lower. There is. You're, you're setting Andrew up now as the host. To just hit this one out of the ballpark. Am I? Are we transitioning to? Uh, I think we should events? transition. Yeah, I think we're transitioning to who's starting tomorrow. 
Well, the my long uh, awaited moment is coming tomorrow, and I've even gotten fresher information than we had when we started this podcast, Adam, because uh, Ethan Small has been called up for the Milwaukee Brewers and will be starting game one of tomorrow's doubleheader against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Small, obviously, the guy I've talked about endlessly is a left-handed pitcher, uh, played his college ball at Mississippi State University, has been at Nashville this year, eight starts, 188 ERA, 49 strikeouts, and uh, at age 25, he will be making his major league debut on the mound at Wrigley Field on Memorial Day, and I'm really just excited to see what he can do. Obviously, we know about the concerns around walks, but we're also excited about just his tool set. He's uh, a really deceptive pitcher, throws in the low 90s, but the fastball plays harder than that because of the deception and the uh, just kind of the way he gets the efficient spin on the ball was the way he described it. Got a great changeup, solid curveball, and we've been waiting for this moment, and it's unfortunately coming because Freddie Peralta was injured, but I think he's ready for the big leagues, and I'm excited to see him pitch in game one. Uh, like I said, I, I love the lefties. I love Ethan Small. Uh, I love Aaron They're, they're and, like the big guys for yeah. me in basketball. I, I, have, a, I have a comparison. You. I have a comparison to make. Go on. Sometimes David Robinson has to get injured for Tim Duncan to be drafted. Ooh. Oh, wow. I like that. Um, so basically, the what Brewers we're hoping here Spurs. is <laughs> Ethan Small slots into the rotation. No pressure, uh, Small. And then uh, when Freddie returns, you know, Small can take up the bullpen role, but he'll be experienced in the big leagues. I'm all on board. I'm excited. Well, on that, I was reading, um, it was it was Todd Rosiak, I believe, for the Journal Sentinel. In his piece on this call-up, he was noting that he had heard from the Brewers Brass, they are adamant, they, they only want Ethan Small starting. Okay. They view him as a starter, and I guess that's, that's possibly why it's taken a little bit longer than we would have liked. They were waiting for, okay, is there a clear starting opportunity? I don't know if there is. I mean, unless they like Ashby as someone who's going to be maybe more active in a bullpen, like at the moment, it would seem like Small's going to come up to be a sixth starter as such. And with yeah. that, then you would expect some bullpen outings. But if they do just really want to keep him as a starter, we'll see. The other thing, I, I is there a chance that this is a short-term thing? Or is this just it? Like, could Based this on... be a reaction to Woodruff and maybe him missing his start? Or can we just get used to, okay, Ethan Small is going to be up and we're going to get to see plenty of that. Based on that reporting that you're referring to, I would guess one of two things. I would guess either short-term start, like you're saying, or Ashby goes back to what he was doing um, before the injuries. And he starts every now and then. And then also in the, the intermittent time between his starts, he goes back to that bullpen roll that we saw those are the two possibilities that I could see laid out if they're just adamant that he's not going to be in the rotation or that, or he's only going to be in the rotation. And honestly, I don't hate that. Also relevant uh, to that. I know you uh, pointed out to me in the last few days that the MLB have extended the, the length of time um, that you can carry an extra pitcher on your roster. So there is true to it's right around middle of June now, right? Yep, so there's an extra yep kind of two, two and a half weeks, I guess at minimum, you'd like to think that's something we see that true to that kind of period. We 
we get some combination of that. I agree, and I I think similarly on Ashby, we, we talked about it quite a bit. Ashby is a starter. He had a good start. He had to fight through some adversity in his last start, but he had a good start. Yeah. In the bullpen, he has been pretty deadly though, and that that just might be something the team is certainly. Uh, Brett Suter really struggling up to this point in the season is not helping in terms of having a reliable kind of multiple innings middle relief option. Like that's the one thing that isn't quite there. You're getting really strong single innings with regularity from the likes of Trevor Goff, from Brad Boxberger, uh, from Luis Perdomo all of a sudden before he got injured. But you could do with someone there. It's like, oh, could this person go two or three innings? You know, if if needed, if there is a poor start from a starter, we have someone there who can kind of come in if it's still a close game, put up a really kind of strong outing that keeps the Brewers in position. And Ashby seems ideal for that. Um, so maybe that's part of the thinking. I'm going to be very intrigued to see how that plays out. My only other question, I guess, to both of you, Memorial Day, Wrigley Field, that seems like a very, very big stage. Like, I don't Not know. Unless that, he's that, got money to put on the table. If he's got, if he puts his money on the table, well, <laughs> then it might be a different story. But that that seems like a lot to ask of anyone. Like, that's a a real kind of circle on the calendar. Um, there's going to be some extra feeling there than there would have been all along. I would have thought. Does that? Does that? concerned you in the slightest andrew or not at all ethan small is ready for this he's okay. pitched at on friday night at duty noble field in uh starkville mississippi he's pitched at alex box stadium in baton rouge louisiana he's pitched in omaha in an opening game of a college world series this is a regular season baseball game ethan small is built for this he's gonna be fine you could have made up those field I- names i wouldn't have doubted you <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was like, I, and I didn't know some of that because I have spoken about Eaton Small with Andrew quite a bit at this point, but I was like, yeah, those of those places are Wrigley Field. So there is still something that's just a little different there, but I, I get what you're saying. They might that, have better bathrooms, though. That's oh, We're not touching that one. I'm not getting into that argument again. Uh, I your, your point is right, because if it goes wrong tomorrow, it doesn't ultimately mean anything. Actually, it might mean even less than ever because it's a double header, and there'll be another game a couple of hours later. So if he struggles, it's like, oh yeah, everyone will have already had to immediately move on to to Aaron Ashby, and maybe that works in his favor. It does just seem like the idea, you know, it's not it's not just any old start. It's oh, you're starting for the Brewers against the Cubs on Memorial Day at Wrigley Field. That's really cool. Like if he yeah. if he does, if he comes and he shows up and he delivers, that's gonna make it only all the greater. It's gonna get people like us even more excited about him. Uh, but it's are certainly it's, it's a fun one to watch. Are you imagining me like uh, a recent? I guess it's been a few years ago now, but an episode of The Simpsons where Homer has his uh, two college teams uh, banners and a hat. Uh, getting ready for March Madness. It's me. One banner says Ethan Small. I'm wearing a Brewers hat, and the other banner is a Brewers banner. That's going to be me on my couch tomorrow. Oh, I thought one was going to be Ethan Small, and the other was going to be Aaron Ashby. Because someone, someone make that Photoshop, please. You love lefties, and this has been. I joked at this year. You've had a tough sporting weekend. We won't, we won't unpack that. But things have not gone how you'd like for your various teams. 
But the Brewers said, don't worry about that, Andrew. Memorial Day, you're going to spend it. You're going to watch two of your favorite young lefties. And, I mean, we could also, I guess, seg into something else here because what else are you doing tomorrow, Andrew? So, uh, Willie Adamas has been sent down on a rehab assignment. He today played for the Carolina Mudcats, hit a homer. Um, And then tomorrow he is going to be uh, moved to Nashville. They're playing the Durham Bulls on Memorial Day. 5 p.m. start wedged in perfectly between the doubleheader. Like it's it's like they built the schedule for me. And so I'm going to head to the Durham Bulls Athletic Park in a Willie Adamas jersey that I have over here. I'm betraying my <laughs> my uh, my home team for the day to root for Willie Adamas and the Nashville Sounds and uh, I guess other guys that we're familiar with as well. Yeah, all John Singleton. I don't know who's on the mound. Um, I need to check in on that. Definitely. I hope it's Limblom. I hope it's Limblom. No, Limblom pitched yesterday, I believe. Damn it. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if the sounds know who's on the mound because their pitchers nah. are just you know in a permanent state of flux between Nashville and Milwaukee at the moment. Um, but yeah, look, there's there's lots of interesting players down there, guys that we've had our eye on and be familiar with and i mean the other kind of thing that i guess most most brewers fans probably know but some may not willie adamas has some familiarity with this particular ballpark he does so yeah he came up in the uh tampa Rays system played basically two full seasons for the for the bulls and uh i would imagine they'll give him a a, a tribute at some point i would be shocked if they didn't nice yeah they're a very uh classy organization here in durham i've done a lot of things for uh in the recent uh weeks raising money for ukraine um and uh people that need help over there so yeah uh willie adamas in durham uh before we transition to master brewer and um and the uh look ahead to the next series which we've kind of already started touching on i want to go back Back to you, Rohan, because I've selfishly been just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Soliloquying on uh, the lefties that I love. I want to get a little more info about you as it relates to this Brewers team, because in episode one, Adam and I staked out our corners and we like noted our guys, Rowdy Telez and Willie Adamas, to name a few. Are, is there anyone on this team who you're just like, I would die for that guy or just like someone that you've embraced so far? If we're talking specifically about the pitching staff, uh, I a new a new fandom was born during playback. Okay, let's go. I guys, love that. Can you guys guess who it is? It's Trevor Kelly, right? Yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> I, like I feel it. like I, I'm in on ground zero. I can get in on ground zero on this. Like that was what his second uh, appearance as a Milwaukee Brewer uh, this season. Yes, this, this, this season. season yeah. yeah, this season. Yeah, uh, pitched a perfect inning. Like, you know, I mean, I, like scoreless inning, I should say. He did walk a guy, but he ended one strike. <laughs> like, it was a good – it's good to get in on the ground floor. That's all I'm trying to do here. I just want to be able to state credit. Like, I've been in on this guy since the beginning. I have the perfect opportunity to do so. It's Trevor Kelly. He drew some really nasty stuff in that game. Like, I, Yeah, he did. The, the numbers don't quite reflect just how impressive that was. And – We've seen a mixed bag with some of the guys who come from the minor leagues and have had to help the the Brewers out as bullpen arms, but Trevor Kelly has looked very good. So I'm knocking on wood here. I'm hoping like we don't end up with a Perdomo situation 
because it would be nice if some of these guys could come up and just kind of stick for a while. Um, particularly as you know, bullpen injuries even have been a factor, starting with like Jake Cousins after three or four games into the season, however early that was. So that's fun. And outside of the pitching staff, is there anyone else, anyone more general, or are you Ooh. just really you're gonna set yourself out there as purely Trevor Kelly's number one fan? No, nah, no, nah, I should I should spread so uh, I, I I'm not gonna say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um let's go. I haven't really thought about this because I've never really like zeroed in on these players, but I'm going to go with who's, who's someone that's been struggling lately. Who struggled today? Yelich. Let's go with Yelich. I'm still a believer. We are too. I mean, it's a I know, slight, yeah, I know slightly rougher are. spell recently, but I, I think overall there's still more positive than negative on the season. Oh, for sure. For sure. But it's just like, can we, I know you guys talking before the season, it's like one of the biggest things is can we get like, actual like big big time production from christian yelich i still believe there's a lot of season left there's a lot of games left is that, that gonna is happen? true and the fact Probably that they're not. winning without it is encouraging like it's it's not like the games where he's not performing stand out clearly because oh they've gone on a four game losing streak so i think him struggling at this point in the season and them still being 30 and 18 is comforting because I don't think his numbers are going to be this bad when the season ends. Yeah. Also Lorenzo Kane. It's impossible not to root for Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Kane. Yeah. His home run made me very happy today. He's a, he's been obviously struggling. We talked about that, but he's a guy that when you watch him play baseball, you just can't not root for him. And so, and it's been clear, yeah. particularly the last couple of weeks, or even more recently, I guess since Hunter Renfro's gone down with his injury and he's had to play a little more, you could see how much like Kane was really wanting to get some offense going and to really kind of get a chance to contribute like like he has done so often in the past for the Brewers. So that was cool. I just want to note, because we didn't mention it, um, Rowdy Tellez's 10th home run of the season. He's now outright home run leader on the Brewers. It's my favorite swing at a baseball I've ever seen. It was just completely filthy. Jeff Levering described as a two iron on commentary, and that was so perfect. It was like way down and inside in the zone. It was a golf swing, and it both didn't look like it was hit very hard, but also it got out in like record time. It's like if there were no stands there, that one might be going further than any ball we've seen this season. Uh, So Rowdy just continues to be the man for me i want to shout out a few other players uh before we move on to master brewer and a look ahead um hobie milner has Mm -hmm. been really good this season i i can't remember who tweeted it but someone was tweeting his baseball reference page and the gen or the takeaway was really hobie milner's not really giving up home runs anymore and that has changed him as a pitcher and so far that is holding true i mean last year in milwaukee had a five four zero ERA in 21 and two-thirds innings. This year, he has a 2.89 ERA in 18 and two-thirds innings. So it was really just having the best season of his career. Do you think 31. that's another Trevor God-esque example then of where the Brewers are doing a good job of identifying a pitcher they feel they can work with, they can they can kind of fix in some ways, help them throughout out their game, and then getting good production out of them? It really does seem like that because – that has been the case with Goth. That has been the case with Milner last season. Obviously, he struggled as a Brewer last season, but that 
doesn't necessarily get figured out in one year. So it seems like him and the staff have figured out something about what he was doing wrong in the past, and that's just not happening anymore. Uh, I'm in the lab, I would assume, the most spoken about Brewers pitching lab. Yeah, the wind tunnel, so to speak. Uh, um, It'd be really funny if there was just an actual like science laboratory where it's just that's basically what driveline baseball is. If you ever (laughs) Google that, (laughs) yeah. If that is the case, Ron, we have to get in touch with the Brewers and send you there. Oh yes, absolutely. That's just the perfect just kind of synergy between the GSPM brand and our personalities, our interests, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Here's what we do: Adam and I as test specimen with things hooked up to us monitors rohan there with a lab coat and a clipboard or an ipad or whatever just like monitoring us as we go through these uh exercises throw a bullpen maybe we take some batting practice and we that we mine that for content that would be the greatest content of all time and i'm not like being hyperbolic (laughs) here that would be incredible. We would need to like get a film crew and get like actual movie st- style production because that would be incredible. All right, like, so I'm let's looping see if, it. Let's see I'm if we can like, mold you guys into uh, pitchers, like based on just pure science. I'm looping in my brother Jordan now, so we can get someone to. Oh, film you've, this. yeah, you've got a film crew at your yeah. disposal. Oh, true. So we'll figure out uh, the title at some point. Uh, before we move on to Master Brewer, one more. A note that has been sticking out to me about the last few games. The casting Hura experience has is, is been very uh, wild this year uh, because he has these moments of absolute brilliance and then at bats where it looks like he's trying to swing out of his shoes and things don't go well. He's now not qualified, so he's not technically the leader, but he, in, in terms of production in his limited sample, leads the Brewers in at OPS. 250 batting average, 344 OBP, 518 slug for an 862 OPS, has five home runs, but also has 27 strikeouts and just 56 at bats. So he's nearly striking out in half of his play or half of his at bats, but he's also hitting uh, bombs with regularity. It's kind of just a very jarring experience, but when it uh, ends up well, it's it's very funny at homers and back to back games on uh, Saturday and Friday. Did not. Uh, get into the game today but just something interesting to monitor moving forward because uh it's clear craig's going to continue to get him at bats and there's a lot of variance in uh what we can see in those at bats the man like (laughs) the man's got uh let's see 14 hits on the year five homers uh nine singles no doubles or triples seven walks 27 strikeouts just kind of a very interesting stat line in a small sample size and i'm interested to see where it goes from here before we started recording i called in russell westbrook i think i have a better <laughs> comparison in my again I, i'm a i'm a basketball guy i'm gonna make basketball comparisons i think a better comparison here is james harden because he he'll have his like nine for 21 shooting performances but he'll also have nights where that step back three is just going you're like i can't i can't argue with this production realistically like there's going to be nights where it's just like it's not there but when it hits it, it, it hits and it makes a massive impact and i think a, that's a little bit of what we're seeing from Keston. are you saying we should be worried about playoff Keston hero is that your i'm saying a little bit and we should also be worried about paying him 50 million dollars a year for the next <laughs> five years if we were a team located in philadelphia uh but with his role on this team i think it can actually work because when everyone's healthy 
I think his primary role is going to be bench bat. So you need a bomb late in the game. You know what? Just see what happens. <laughs> like pinch hit Keston Hira here uh, and and go from there. Uh, say the thing with you know, that though, my my one thing on that, and it's it's getting very difficult to kind of dispute the numbers. Like you look at look across his line and his numbers and Rowdy's numbers bear some similarities, except they're going about it in entirely different ways. Like in terms of you look at total bases where Kesson is, you know, he's just under half the games. Rowdy has 79 bases. Kesson has 29 because Kesson just does not get on base unless he's, you know, he's running all of them and he's getting straight home. <laughs> so I, I just, in that scenario, even, We've seen Mike Brasso be a really reliable pinch hitter because he's yeah. hit a couple of home runs in those scenarios. But he also, you know, he can hit a single, he can hit a he can hit a double. The thing with Keston in those kind of things is I just feel like maybe he is the ultimate brewer for that situation because it's just gonna ratchet the tension up because it's just gonna be, oh, Keston's in. He's either just gonna take three big swings and the game's gonna be over, or he's gonna hit a walk-off homer. And it's it's the only way it's going to be. Um, I guess, you know what, I guess on the whole, that's probably what you want because the chances are you're going to be struck out anyway. I guess more times than not, you're not going to get on base. You're not going to do what you need to do, such as baseball. So if the guy who gives you a higher percentage chance of hitting the homer is up there, maybe that works out. But I do think he is definitely a player that even in that kind of role, he's going to set us up for like just more kind of pulling our hair out than anything else. Yeah. And he clearly it... doesn't need a rhythm. <laughs> no. So he can just go up there and get up to bat and be like, okay, it's time, it's even time did, to like fingers. when he, when he went down to Nashville and that was a point where like, we were kind of like, okay, I don't think we're going to see him for quite some time. And that really seemed to be the consensus from even the greatest optimists. And then he went down and I think he had, three homers in two days and injuries had him back up in no time but he just had this absolute explosion offensively right away there and you're like he couldn't hit a thing a day ago like it is it is crazy and that kind of short memory is great too like it's it's tough to imagine him having like a low cane-esque streak where it's just like oh this is a prolonged spell where there's nothing for him it's just you you watch a lot of really bad at bats and then you're like oh home run home run home run like he's a tree in like 10 days now one of them being a walk-off homer i don't know it's it's an interesting i'd like just the thing for me is imagine the player he could become if he's just a little bit smarter but then does he does he lose that ability just is it the fact that he's swinging out of his shoes so often that it's when he connects it's a home run like can you even can you bring that back a bit that's gonna get you more singles more doubles get him some walks. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's there or if that's possible without just taking away the kind of freak home run hitter he seems to be capable of being too. Yeah, it's it's kind of that risk reward and where does the balance lie? And it's it'll be tough to figure that out without him getting every day at bats. So I think for this season, it might just be that kind of wild swing and what to expect because I don't, I don't know how you adjust that if you're not playing every day, but you know, so far so good with what he's bringing. One other guy I want to shout out that we'll shout out in a minute as well. Um, actually, we'll, wait, we'll, we'll do yeah, the yeah, last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should yeah. have waited oh, before, for Keston. Before that, should we, <laughs> yeah, uh, should we, do we think Keston's role is just as a DH? It um, should be. 
And, I mean, they well, don't they don't have uh, as we know they're struggling with infield depth, so he's going to play at first, maybe a little bit at second, which we've seen already this season. But it's a situation where he Craig Council has opted to have him replace Rowdy against lefties when it would probably make sense for him to replace Colton against lefties more in terms of pure value with the bat. Um, but it seems from a defensive perspective, he's kind of feels safer with him at first. Uh, we've described him, I think a few times as just a guy without a position. And I, I don't, I don't know where to go from there. I, I if it's a situation for me where without Hunter Renfro, I would like to see a situation where Kutch plays outfield for the time being and you get Keston or Brasso's bat at DH. That's what I think would make the most sense, but it seems like just where he feels most comfortable putting him in defensively is first base. So he should be a DH, but it's just tough to fit him in there if Kutch is going to be your nail on DH most days. Fair enough. Master Brewer leaderboard. We have five players getting Master Brew points for this series. Do you want to do you want to name who it was? You you also had a point on him. We can start with them. Yeah, it's perfect because he's first on the list. Um, Omar Narvaez had a great series, seven for eleven plate, one RBI, a triple, and two doubles. I think he reached base in every at bat on Sunday. And uh, he's a guy who's had an interesting start to the season. He's gotten or he's played in thirty games, ninety eight at bats. And the platoon split decision-making has seen him out of the lineup more than I think we would have expected to start the season. Victor Caratini's gotten a number of, of starts against left-handers in that scene. Uh, Omar out of the lineup for extended stretches when they face quite a few lefties in, in a row. And he's playing, now that he's getting regular bats and he's playing more, he's really starting to return to that all-star form of last season. 276 batting average, 372 OBP. 429 slug. He's got his OPS to 800, two homers on the year, seven doubles. Really, really, really liking what we're seeing from Omar Narvaez lately, and his pitch framing behind the plate is invaluable. And 12 walks, it, too, is something that I, I oh, don't yeah. know if you necessarily expect that. Maybe it is more likely being a catcher. Uh, I would certainly expect catchers to be better at reading pitches um, to maybe show a little bit more patience because they, I guess, just spend so much time behind guys who maybe don't do that, and you see how that goes wrong. It probably doesn't always work out like that, but 12 Ox is useful as well, considering he is one of the more reliable hitters. He's not a he's not a home run hitter right now for the Brewers, really, but he's coming up with quality at-bats very often. Absolutely, and uh, he gets added to the Master Brewer leaderboard, his second that his, It was his first triple since 2018, I believe it was said on the broadcast. I might just and be... I think, and I think it might be the first triple Adam has seen out of a catcher during his brief baseball fan. Probably. It, this is Omar's first of the year. I have updated that leaderboard you're looking at there, Andrew. Oh, okay. Uh, which I'm actually a little surprised by, but it kind of also makes sense at the same time. He's just consistently very, very good without doing the standout thing that makes us go, oh, yeah, that's that's a beer for Omar. Who are the who are the catchers in the league who are going to hit triples? Who has who the wheels to do that? Adley, JT? Adley, yeah, it's Adley not, Rushman, probably. It's not the first one I've seen. It's not the first one I've seen. It was because... Adley Rushman, yeah. Exactly. Yep. JT? Ramudo? You could use uh, that, right? Ramudo might be able to. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. 
Um, Travis but there, Darno, there is a difference. I, like Omar is <laughs> is a different kind of catcher. I wasn't expecting Omar to to be stepping up and delivering a triple for me. So that one does feel a little bit different. Omar also had a chance to get another RBI in this game if the third base coach didn't send Rowdy round third. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give Jason Lane the benefit of the doubt because I just watched him hit a game-winning home run during B-roll in the movie Boyhood. So I'm a big <laughs> Jason Lane guy. So I look forward to my own rewatch of Boyhood uh, for a different podcast we'll be doing the next few days. Like, come on, you're moment. sending him, you're sending Rowdy. Listen, Rowdy was first. motoring. He's got wheels. <laughs> he wasn't even close. As, as I said before we started, uh, the belly flop in game one, which didn't go very well for him, and that uh, uh, he did speak about and that he was getting made quite a lot of fun of um, among his teammates in the aftermath. If he just pulled that out there, maybe maybe they shouldn't have made fun of him. Maybe he was self-conscious about it and he didn't just go for that grand dive that he could have gone. I think think he could have got there. He wasn't wasn't too far away. Like it's it's one that if this was a really close game, like most Brewers games, we'd all be just agonizing over that. I don't have a problem with it because of what the score was already. And it's like, hey, is it fun to watch Rowdy try to like power his way home? Yeah, sign me up. This is my idea, baseball. You uh, you don't tell a McLaren to break during a yellow light. You try and get through that light. It's the it's the little things that, that get to me for those unfamiliar with me as a podcast. <laughs> It's the little things. Uh, Corbin Burns, no surprise, also getting a beer. Seven innings pitched, 11 strikeouts, just two hits and one walk allowed, and right up around that 100 pitch count just below that. Uh, you know, just a couple here or there, we probably could have got another inning. This is the only thing that was disappointing is you'd be like, wow, a couple of quicker outs here or there, and he could have gone even deeper in this one, but one hell of a job. Brings him up to six master brew points for the season, just one behind Rowdy Telez for top spot. So, bit of a race there. Those two guys are currently separated from the pack a little bit as well. And honestly, with the way Rowdy's hit so far this season, with the way Corbin Burns is pitching, I, I don't know how many other players will necessarily factor in over the course of the season. We could be watching that as a, a race of sorts here, but we'll see what happens. Keston, we talked about it, we taught about it, but for all of those really ugly at-bats, two home runs, three RBI, it's pretty good for a series. So Keston Yara, two for seven, two home runs, three RBI, one walk. That will get him his second Master Point of the Year. Tyrone Taylor, not the most dazzling um, of his recent series. Five for 15, uh, one RBI, two runs, and a double but just reliably, he is standing up in every game and he's finding ways to get on base, on base every game in this series. And that is really important, particularly with someone like Hunter Renfro being down and not only him having to step up and kind of um, quite literally playing his spot out in the field, but he's delivering the kind of hitting we were seeing from Hunter Renfro in his kind of three, four weeks before going down injured. And someone else who is becoming something of a mainstay on the Master Brew points list which is not something we'd have seen at the start of the season but it's just like you know what every series you're like yeah he was good again he did exactly what you'd want from jace peterson 
three for nine on base in every game. Um, started to pinch hit in one where he was walked three RBI after his home run, uh, three run homer in the final game of the series. Two runs on base. Jace is you know taking care of business, and as you mentioned, Andrew. As you reminded Rohan and I before we started, he also had a big defensive play to help Corbin Burns out in game four as well. Can't argue with results. So the leaderboard through 48 games. Already tell us seven master root points. Corbin Burns on six. Yelly, Josh Hader, Willie Adamas on four apiece. Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Hunter Renfro, Devin Williams, and Jace on three. Brandon Woodruff, Colton Wong, Andrew McCutcheon, Luis Arias, Adrian Hauser, Aaron Ashby, Castanero, Tyrone Taylor on two, and Trevor God and Omar Narvaez with a beer apiece. Moving on to the next series that the Milwaukee Brewers will face, as we mentioned, heading to Wrigley Field tomorrow in Chicago to face the Cubs, a 12.05 central time start for game one of the doubleheader, Ethan Small versus Drew Smiley. The nightcap at 6.40, Central time will pit Aaron Ashby versus question mark because ESPN has not loaded the Cubs pitcher in here Tuesday, May 31st, 705 central time, Eric Lauer versus Justin Steele pitcher. We've seen twice, I think this season. And then Wednesday, June 1st, 705 central time. First pitch Brandon Woodruff versus Kyle Hendricks. Then the Brewers. We we hope we hope. Yes. Brandon Woodruff. We hope it all things seem to be pointing to that. Uh, based on reporting we've seen. And then the Brewers finally return home for a seven-game homestand, which will see them play the San Diego Padres for four and the Philadelphia Phillies for three. And there is a precious off day in their future, Monday, June 6th. So eventually these guys will get a break after a daunting 11-game road trip, followed by seven in a row at home. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Two out of three against the Padres, two for two or two – and two against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the Brewers are in a pretty good way so far. I mean, 30 and 18, three and a half game lead in the NL Central. I will not update the rest of the standings because there are still some West Coast games to be completed as we stand right now. The Dodgers are up three nothing against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Pittsburgh Pirates are tied 2 2 with the Cardinals. So things still to shake out there to see. Uh, where the standings lie in terms of the overall seating race in the national league. All right. I think that pretty much does it for us. No, 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 no. We got one more thing. I was about to say, have you got any final thoughts for him? I, yeah, I was about to ask that as well, because I've been doing a bad job as a host. I needed to ask (laughs) Rohan more questions. We don't have him. No, I'm I'm the one going to ask a question. Oh, Oh. Oh. what's, what's your score prediction for game? (laughs) You know, I don't mind this as much for baseball. The problem I have is for the answer for and basketball. Two, one and two. I've got him locked in. I know. Oh, let's go. I, I, I'll let Andrew go first because he's already made some bold proclamations with seat and small starts. So. Five, three Brewers in game one. Small's going to go five and two thirds. Three earned runs, but he's going to have done his job. Council's going to be cognizant of protecting uh, the young arm. So a base runner will reach in that sixth inning with two outs and he'll go uh, get him for Trevor Gott. So five, three win in game one and then game two, uh, just going Ashby. Uh, it's that one's going to be five, four. It's going to be a little closer, a little tighter. It's going to be what we come to expect from Brewers baseball. 
I'm going to go four tree brewers in game one. I'm going to be a little bit kinder to Eaton Small. There might be some shaky moments in there, but I think he'll get out with two earned runs. Uh, another one may leak after that. And 5-2 for Ashby. I think two brewers wins. Feeling very good about her battling through some stuff. Look, tomorrow is one of those days where could they in theory lose both of those games? Yes. Could it go against them? But I'm very, very excited. Like, I've been looking forward to a doubleheader, my first experience of a doubleheader, and for it to then come around and to be like, oh, Eaton Small's first start and then an Aaron Ashby start? Like, that's exciting. That's fun. So uh, for anyone, if you're really quick off the mark, you're listening to this before the Brewers Memorial Day doubleheader with the Cubs. If you haven't been watching a whole lot this season, this is a good day to start. Eaton Small, Aaron Ashby, that's going to be a lot of fun. You guys, you guys aren't bold enough. You guys oh, aren't bold here enough. Here we I'm go. Going, game one is going to be three nothing Brewers off an Ethan Small no hitter. <laughs> game two, I say it's, I say it's close. I'd say it's four three Brewers. Well, as people who uh, have watched books games in particular on playback with you, Rowan, will know have listened to other podcasts. You've never got a prediction wrong, right? When you call no, something, never. it's always right. Absolutely. My yeah. Ethan Small jersey will be in the mail if he throws a no-hitter tomorrow. <laughs> Mine might be, too. Mine will be. <laughs> so there we go. There's the stakes are established. All right, that does it for us for this time. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's Cruising for a Bruising. Had lots of people very kindly give us five-star ratings. We'd like some more reviews, though. I mean, Rohan is, is an expert at asking and getting reviews. Is that because he sings... And doesn't sing like Andrew. Who could say? Possibly. Possibly that's a factor in it. What do you mean? Andrew's a great singer. (laughs) Listen, I loved Uh, loved Andrew's (laughs) performance just as much as I loved yours. I'm I'm used to just singing co-hosts on podcasts now, which is not something I expected in most of my time doing this. Me and Adam will sing the harmonies of The Chain by Fleetwood Mac (laughs) if we get enough. Enough five-star reviews. How many will decide in the book? Okay, I like enough. Enough five-star reviews is a good call, Andrew. Um, yeah, I'll I'll certainly say if we get enough that I'll do that. Um, but yeah, please, if you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, five-star rating review just helps to get the word out there. Let people know that this is a Brewers podcast that's very much worth their time. So we'd appreciate that. You should also go and subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's where you'll hear Rohan and Ty on the Eurostep. It's where you'll hear myself and Jordan Tresky on Winning Six. And where you'll often hear us together and, you know, maybe with Andrew in the mix too on all sorts of GSPN crossover podcasts. You can subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. That way all episodes of the pod go directly to your inbox and you get our write-ups on the Master Brew leaderboard. If you are as locked in on the Master Brew leaderboard as we are, that's the way to stay on top of it. That's the way to have a record because we have a market that has real integrity. That's all I'm going to say here. Um, at Brewers ESPN where you'll find us on Twitter I'm at Adam McGee 11 Andrew is at AC Snide Rowan is at Orcaddy Jr that's pretty much it thanks as always for listening thank you Rohan thank you thank you Andrew thanks pals
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.